0: Hello and welcome to the MGMA Insider Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. I'm joined today by Molly Ramsey, Principal and Corporate Operations Director with MedMan and Amber Peterson, Administrator with MedMan. Thanks so much for joining me today.
1: We're happy to be here. Thanks for the opportunity.
0: So, Molly, let's start with you. Uh, What is the purpose of onboarding? What, What is it that you guys want to achieve for the company and for the new hire?
1: Great question. You know, We've all heard and know that first impressions are really important, but not only the first impression of a candidate, but the candidate's first impression of us as a potential employer. Um, For every new hire who joins your company, how they feel during those first days, weeks, months on the job can really influence their success in the role that we've hired them for. So the path to significantly influencing that or the retention begins before they even walk in the door. Um, We understand that it's an investment on the part of the employer, however, statistics show that on average one in five new hires leave within the first 45 days of starting a job. That's why it's really critical to having an onboarding plan in place. We want to ensure that we are increasing the odds of retaining the good hires that our interview process has yielded and that the employee is experiencing a sense of being valued from the start and that really does set the tone for their hopefully long (laughs) career with your organization.
0: Okay. Now, when does the onboarding process begin for you guys?
1: Immediately. Um, The onboarding process really begins the very first interaction that they have with the practice, from how they apply for the job to the phone call or the email that they'll receive for scheduling that first interview. So how smooth the application process is and the professionalism and timeliness of scheduling those interviews all plays an important important part into the impression that they're forming of you the team the overall company and truly that interaction is a reflection of your organization in terms of is the process arduous to apply for the job are we professional and timely in our interactions in scheduling that interview that all plays into the um, impression that they're making and it's setting the tone for what we expect in terms of the the caliber or the um, professionalism that we expect of our employees and of them as potential new hires.
0: I think that's interesting because I I know that when uh, a person arrives on that first day and people seem to know who they are and uh, there's a computer magically uh, waiting for them at their workstation, all those things that it just, it's like, it's there, but really there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes. So what's that like, getting all prepared for that and getting the whole team involved? How do you, how do you make sure that the team, or it might be depending on the size of the company, the entire company knows that this new person is coming on board and that you're ready for them?
1: Absolutely. It's magic. <laughs> so yeah. In preparation for that first day, you wanna ensure that, first off, that the following information has been communicated to the employee. The start date is clear, the time and place where they're gonna meet on that first date is confirmed. They know what to wear, where to park, if there's any kind of nuances. That, all of that information is, again, setting them up for success and, and a good reflection of your organization. So then the other piece of it is is that you are ensuring that your team, the existing team, is on the same page in terms of that new hire. So on that first day, first and foremost, whomever whomever is going to greet that person knows that they're coming. We don't want that new hire to be greeted with, I'm sorry, who are you? Or I didn't realize we had hired someone. Rather, we want them greeted with something along the lines of, hi, Susan, welcome to the team we're happy you're here let me go get so and so they're expecting you so setting that tone making sure that there's really good communication on our end setting the expectations another thing that we have mistake that we've made and I'm sure others have done is treating the new hire start date as just an ordinary day or worse yet an inconvenience. We don't want that to be that feeling to be relayed to that new hire and we also want to be well organized on our end so that we're not frazzled. So a couple of things that you can do there is welcoming them with some type of, you know, logo wear um, or scrubs or whatever items that you might have as a company that creates a personal touch and an indicator to the new hire that, yes, in fact, we are expecting you and we're excited to have you here. The other piece is just starting the day by making the rounds around the practice and making personal introductions. In addition to those introductions and walking them around, you want to ensure that that communication again has gone out to the entire team. So those that might not be present that first day when that person's there, or might not interact with them on that first interaction, they're aware of what's going on. So you want to know, you know, what's their name, what's the position, what day are they starting, and if you have multiple sites, what location are they going to be primarily working in, um, and then. A big piece of that too is just ending the day with a scheduled check-in to review you know the progress of the onboarding are there any questions fill in any gaps of information and just really gauge their overall feeling about the new role you know are they enthusiastic are they kind of portraying a sense of being overwhelmed or or bored (laughs) Um, this helps you make any necessary mid-course corrections to the onboarding agenda for the coming days and weeks and really and then this might seem simple or obvious that you would do this, but close the conversation by confirming what time and where do they need to show up for day two, you know, because day one may have been different than what is going to happen now that they're out on their own for day two. So those are all important elements of making sure that that first day really goes, goes well for everyone involved.
0: Right. And it seems like there's so many moving parts to that first day in particular. Uh, Is there a checklist that you have in place or that you recommend that a practice should have in place and what's on that checklist?
1: Yes, absolutely. A checklist in place saves everyone um, heartache. So you'll wanna have a checklist that's essentially broken into three sections, uh, before, first day and after. The after, after can be post first day and be an in increments of time. For example, 30 days post hire or 90 days post hire, etc. But be real specific with those tasks listed on the checklist. And you want to make this an opportunity to be collaborative with your existing team. So having those that are going to be, you know, have responsibilities that impact this new hire, have them be a part of creating the checklist. And really, the checklist. The investment of time is upfront or initially, and there's a lot of areas of that that can be duplicate, duplicated for multiple positions within the organization, and then it's just refinement or fine-tuning that you have to do, you know, moving forward, but it really is a, a multi-person, multi-department um, opportunity to collaborate, but the types of things you're wanting to do, for example, before the first day is have items like making sure name badges are ordered, identifying the compete computer needs and EHR permissions, setting up email addresses and adding them to the company directory and relevant email lists. Things like that that are gonna not, um, you don't wanna create barriers them to being effective and being able to interact with their, their peers as they come on board. Um, one more piece about the checklist is just not keeping the new hire in the dark. So making your onboarding and your checklist transparent to the new, bo- the new hire. This really creates an opportunity for them to have confidence in their training. And if they've got specific questions and they've been able to review that checklist or the onboarding agenda, whatever it might be, they know that they're gonna have time with a specific person or something's gonna be addressed. That allows them to kind of ease their sense of worry or sense of potentially being overwhelmed and that they can be real present in the moment and whatever items need to be addressed. One more thing that I would probably put into that checklist that I think sometimes we forget is just building in um, a designated person to be on points during those very first few days because we all know our days can kind of get away from us with meetings or whatever fire may have come up, that we need to address. So for someone to have a heightened awareness of, I need to be checking in or I need to be available to this person, that just kind of creates a sense of um, confidence in the new hire that, you know, we're here for them to be successful.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, I have never worked at a medical practice, but I have started new jobs, and it can be a bit overwhelming and chaotic when you walk in that first day, Uh, and they kind of ease you into it. But at a medical practice, I mean, I don't do you ease someone into it? Or do you throw them into the fire? I mean, what is it like uh, to kind of get in there and get your feet wet, but also not get too overwhelmed right from the start?
2: So I can take that, um, Daniel. Is, I have worked in many medical practices. Uh, yeah, so it's the same onboarding process as any other industry, I'd like to say, in the fact that you still have your compliance orientation, that kind of stuff. Um, and then there's also the hands-on um, to go forward. So again, uh, try not to make it boring on the first day. make it inviting. Have your compliance training and your um, orientation or training that has to mandatory training that has to be done done over a period of time if your organization will allow you so that that their first day, they're getting a little bit of introduction to everybody. But then they're also getting some hands-on experience. To what they were hired for so if i hire a clinical medical assistant let them actually see patients on their first day don't have them sit behind a computer all day doing your osha fire all that kind of stuff um, that shows them that you are ready for them and that uh, this is an exciting place to work
0: right I, I think that is important i know there's a real balance to kind of uh work out with each employee do you also kind of gauge them? Do you kind of check up on them a little bit throughout the day to see if their eyes have gotten kind of too big, you know, for the situation? Just make sure everything's going okay?
2: Yeah, that's during your walk arounds. So that would be your manager or supervisor position to be checking in lunchtime. Do they know where to go for lunch? That's another big one. You know, your first date. Um, And that should have been described to them ahead of time before they even start is do you guys have restaurants on site? Do you have to pack your lunch? What does lunch look like? So uh, check. I like to check in with them around the lunch hour to make sure that they are able to get a break, get some food. And then, again, like Molly said, kind of describe what the next half of the day is going to be like. And then you could check in with them again at the end of the day. So uh, those are your good checkpoints. i probably do it for a week or so. Um, just to make sure that they're kind of still getting in the orientation process. The other part is, you know, if they're in different locations, it does change a little bit.
0: Right, we, we had a, a, just a, a wonderful experience here happen over the last 24 hours at our offices. Uh, on our uh, second story roof, we have a, a mother goose who laid six eggs and has been nesting um, for the last several weeks. Uh, yesterday, the eggs hatched. And today, 20, within 24 hours, they launch themselves off uh, the second floor. So what's it like with the onboarding process at a medical practice? Do you bring them in day one and then the onboarding's over and you kick them off to let them jump off the ledge and they're right into the fire? Or how long does that onboarding process last?
2: I like to say the onboarding process lasts forever. Uh, With the unemployment rate low, people are getting job offers all the time, so we have to keep them engaged. And that, again, first impressions are big, and that's where most of us think the onboarding process begins and ends. But it doesn't, it keeps going. So, you know, you do your formal check-ins. The earlier they are in their employment, the more check-ins you do, but as they grow and become more part of your team, Then you can do what's called stay interviews and you're still checking in with them. You have goals for these check-ins, even though they may be informal, but you're still making sure that things are going well. You're asking if there's holes in their training and you're still doing this as an employee who's been there for five years, because as we all know, medical changes all the time and we're always implementing new processes. The second thing is, and this is really important, especially on your new hires, is ask them for feedback on how your organization runs. What are they seeing? Because this allows them to give you constructive feedback that you can improve your organization. It also shows them that you want to improve and that, invest- that they can make a difference in your organization from the very beginning. So take their feedback and run with it.
0: I, I think that that kind of feedback is vital How do you get it from somebody, though? Let's say if it's positive feedback, people love to give positive feedback, but when it gets to the negative side of it, if somebody is a new hire, they've only been there a month or two months or whatever the time frame, how do you get them to speak up and and inform you if there are some processes that are kind of out of sync or some other issues? How do you get that trust built up?
2: So... Again, you you know, as a new employee, you think to be on their side of the issues, you don't want to complain about something. You know, this is your new job. You're not going to right. complain about it. But if you ask the simple questions of how can we improve, we're looking for you to tell us how we can improve on operational stuff. Operational stuff will come up first thing. For example, we hire a new employee. She comes in and I said, how are things going? You know, what can we do to improve? And she's like, you give three pieces of paper, and in one spot on each piece of paper, that's the same thing. Why do you do that? And you kind of sit back and think, well, we've been doing it forever. Yes, didn't even recognize that. Thank you. Let's take it out of the first two and leave it on the last one, right? So that shows that we're taking um, her advice and making a difference. The uh, the more uh, subjective, I would say, what I check back with them in 30, 90 days and say, if you could improve your orientation process, what would it be? And that's where they'll kind of sometimes say, well, this employee is not a very good trainer or this employee is always too busy on these days. Don't put them with this person. That is something to take note of so that your next hire, you're not doing that. Um, So those are kinds of things that you're kind of looking at beginning versus towards the end of their orientation process.
0: Right. I wanted to take a step back for a moment because uh, Amber, you and I had a a chance to talk recently. We were talking about more the the bigger picture, the economics, the economic situation that's uh, going on right now. We're looking at historical uh, low unemployment rates. That's created a certain dynamic in the job market. What has that done in basically throwing a wrench in hiring and ultimately onboarding people?
2: The unemployment rate um, for April 2019 is the lowest it's been since December of 1969, according to the um, labor statistics. Also, healthcare is 1% lower um, on average than the national statistics. So what does that mean? Five years ago, when you uh, posted a position, say, for receptionist billing, you'd probably get 70 to 100 applicants' resumes. I mean, you'd be flooded in the first day with all this. Today, I might get 30 over a course of a week. So again, going back to what Molly said, it's that first interaction with us. How did we post the job? How hard was it for them to apply? Because they have so many other opportunities to apply for now. They're going to go for what's what's is easiest what feels right for them so that um, has caused a lot of it the other part we're seeing is they're not showing up for the actual interview they're getting three other offers from the time we offer them a job to the time they actually start so it goes all the way back to that first contact but you know you have a hiring process and it can be time consuming But keep that person engaged through that hiring process. When you make that first contact, make sure you're at least following up every other day with that person. So we have a three-step process here, which is a working um, phone, in-person, and a working interview. But the whole way through that process is we're making contact with them throughout it. And then once they accept the job, we're making uh, multiple contacts after that to make sure they're still coming I fill out your paperwork ahead of time so that we can have all the logins done. Uh, We send them where to park, um, best way to get here from their uh, house, because now we have their address. So certain things like that is keeping them engaged in this job. The other part about it is, is if they stop responding to these type of emails and this kind of contact, there's a high risk they're not going to show up on day one
0: yeah you had mentioned earlier that people don't show up for the interview but i think when we talked earlier if i remember correctly you said sometimes they've accepted the job and then they don't show up for the job is that right leaving you completely in the dark on that
2: yes uh, absolutely especially their high demand jobs because they're getting multiple offers and so um Before we started a whole process and really digging deep into this, um, about two years ago, I went through a stretch where I hired four people and not one of them showed up, or I had two people show up and left on day three. So that's where we stopped, looked at our onboarding process, looked at the whole process and revamped it to make sure we're having contact. And so we don't get kept in the dark on day one when they're supposed to show up. Um, So yeah, so our best practices that we came up with were we went into every uh, contact with this uh, candidate as if they were gonna be our next hire. So we were um, engaging in them and getting to know them uh, and then promoting the organization of itself. Secondly, um, we were prepared. Uh, Sometimes you would go into an interview and you wouldn't know what the salary would be or you wouldn't know the days that they would work, that kind of stuff. And we found that 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 really discouraged uh, candidates. So being prepared and that started all the way from the first phone call to the first day. Again, you got them on the job, but then you weren't prepared for them to you didn't have a phone set up for them or they didn't have a computer system. You know, they they left the next day. They didn't come back. They were bored. They didn't have anything to do. So we really looked at that and became prepared. We also um, started with our check-ins because, like Molly said, um, more leave in the first 45 days. So we started with those check-ins more frequently. Now I do it at noon and at the end of the day for my direct hires so that I can kind of gauge how they're feeling. And like you said, do they have the like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do kind of look, or are they um, happy, looking excited about who they're interacting with, that kind of stuff. The other thing that came up is that um, in that preparedness is a binder. We created a binder for every position that we have in our office, and it just has the what to do, what numbers to know, Um, how to log into the systems, when payroll is, all those kinds of little things, yes, they're in your handbook, but they're kind of buried in different places. So it is the supervisor's responsibility on day one to go through this binder that we've created to say, okay, here's how you reference this, this, this. Give them pieces of paper in there so that they can make notes. The other thing that we found that um, our... uh, Candidates told us afterwards that they really enjoyed was we have personality testing the geometric shapes for our office so everybody knows what shape they are. We put that in the binder um, and highlighted who they'd be working with most closely. So they kind of knew the persons that they were gonna be interacting with prior to actually working with them. They knew their communication styles, they knew um, their habits, that kind of stuff. So we got them prepared just to meet their coworkers, And then um, the last thing we did was we, the mandatory trainings, we spread those out over a course of the 90-day period. And so that they were able to do their job that they were hired for on day one. They were able to touch, whether it was billing, they were able to, you know, get in and do claims. Nursing, they were able to see patients, that kind of stuff. So that we kept them engaged through that whole process.
0: Okay. Well, Amber, Molly, thanks so much for joining us and sharing those insights today.
2: Yeah. Thank you for having us. Our pleasure.
0: Thanks again to Molly Ramsey and Amber Peterson for joining the MGMA Insider Podcast.